Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Listeners had heard that they'd be appalled. <laughs> you are on Saturday Magazine, Joy 94.1. They might still be appalled, but probably not because of our next guest. Uh, Peter Khalil, the member for Wills. Uh, welcome, Peter. It's been a little while since we spoke to you. How are G'day. you going? G'day. I'm well. Uh, is it too late to say Happy New Year? No. Probably. No, you just said <laughs> okay. it. So. Yeah. Um. Now, my co-host, Dave Allen, he is champing at the bit. He wants to ask you a question about men in men and women in uniform. The defence review, Peter. <laughs> the defence review, yeah. Yeah, so obvi- obviously this is a large question. And for, for those listeners who aren't, you know, didn't read the brief, there was a landmark defence review handed down this week into what is needed to up Australia's defence capacity for the long term. Now, we're talking billions of dollars, massive pieces of infrastructure, and not just the AUKUS Pact. We're talking frigates, we're talking missiles, we're talking hypersonic capability. Can you speak to that? And can you also talk about the risk of potentially lapsing into what's previously been described as irresistible defence technology as opposed to just on-the-ground defence technology? How do we get through this review without, you know, betting the farm? Wow, that's a big question, Dave. Big question. But I'll, I'll do my best in 45 seconds. <laughs> um, first of all, the Defence Strategic Review, the DSR, which was authored by uh, Angus Houston, former Chief of Defence Force, and Stephen Smith, former Defence Minister and Foreign Minister, was handed to the Prime Minister and Deputy Prime Minister just this past week. It is a full review, as you alluded to, of all of Australia's force structure, its defence capability, and what we need to do to have the right defence capability to, to serve, you know, to protect our national interests in the coming decades. Um, and there's, there's some significant recommendations in it which go to reshaping our defence forces. You touched on a couple of them. What do we need to protect our interests, the maritime approaches, the sea lanes, all the things that are important to Australia's uh, national interests and prosperity as far as trade goes and all the rest of it. Um, to answer your question uh, very quickly... Um, defence capability equals deterrence. So the whole purpose of this is um, having the kind of capability that will deter adversaries, whether they be state actors or non-state actors, from using force or, uh, you know, attacking our interests um, and and pushing them to other channels like diplomacy, for instance. Mm. Um, And the more deterrent capability you have, the less likely you are you're going to have conflict. So the billions of dollars that you speak to are actually an investment uh, to avoid spending a lot more if we ever get into a conflict situation, which which would damage our economy and damage the global economy and so on. So that's the the, the principal thinking behind the defence strategic review uh, and what it means. Um, and lastly, I should just say that technology that you're talking about, it, it, the advanced capability uh, is really important because a lot of what happens now is is uh, in the grey zones, the so-called grey zones. So cyber security, cyber attacks. Uh, interference in our critical infrastructure and our and our systems. So having those counter capabilities that cyber defence and cyber security capabilities are very important in protecting our interests. 
Now, talking of cybersecurity, our former Prime Minister yesterday said that a war with China in the future would be fought with bytes and bits. And obviously, there is a lot happening in the Department of Communications at the moment around privacy and so forth. What percentage yeah. do you think of our defensive capability in the future is going to need to be against cyber attack, against critical infrastructure? Well, a lot of the de- spending already, our, our investment has shifted to cyber security. Mm. Uh, there's been, there was a big investment in the Australian Signals Directorate um, that does a lot of this uh, cyber protection, if you like, uh, across uh, critical infrastructure, across our systems, uh, systems of importance. And I, and I talk about our energy systems, our, our um, you know, our academia, our, our you know, boardrooms, the, the, all of the different systems that, that make everything work every day kind of thing. So, um, a lot has already shifted in that direction, um, and ASD is already within defence, um, so that's kind of part of the defence budget. Those big toys, those what people say those big defence toys, as it were, the big hardware pieces. There's a big rethink about what it is that we need. You know, do you need a much more asymmetric type capability, smaller, you know, drones and other types of capability that can actually do what is necessary rather than the big hardware. We do keep hearing in Ukraine drones being used, and I gather China attacked a Philippine vessel with a laser this week. So we're hearing a lot about high technology. It's advanced capability. You touched on hypersonic missiles and Mm. counter-hypersonic research. Um, There's drones, there's undersea uh, water capability drones. Um, Even those drones that you refer to, there's an Australian company here in Melbourne, actually, that is manufacturing uh, drones. They cost about $10,000. They're they're very small, but they're used very effectively by the Ukrainian Defence Forces for, um, you know, uh, what's called intelligence and surveillance and and reconnaissance uh, gathering. So they're very effective. Um, and because they're, they're manufactured here in Melbourne, people, people don't really realise the capability that we have, the technology and the kind of um, potential that Australia has to uh, work in this space. But that's happening. It's going to be happening because there's going to be a real shift in the paradigm uh, out of this defence strategic review um, when the government makes big decisions this year. You serve on a a number of committees, and I think for listeners to understand that parliamentary committees, whether it's House of Reps or Senate, uh, you know, they discuss and investigate issues and make reports, which ultimately does feed into policy. Um, Can you tell us what are the committees you actually serve on? I think you might chair some of them, Peter. Uh, Yes, Naka, I I chair the... um uh, the PM asked me to chair the Intelligence and Security Committee, which is the Joint Committee on Intelligence and Security for the Parliament. That is a pretty um, intense uh, committee. Um, it, it, its responsibility is to review any national security laws, all national, national security bills. Uh, it, we have oversight over all the intelligence and security agencies, their administration, their expenditure, their effectiveness. Uh, uh, and we, we do reviews and inquiries based on referrals from the PM or other cabinet ministers. For example, we're doing, there was an inquiry on, on radical, you know, right-wing extremism and other forms of radical extremism. So it's an important committee. It also has a bipartisan um, tradition, and I hope that can continue, although that, you know, sometimes is not possible. Um, there's a tradition to, to try and really reach consensus uh, for the national interest and put aside the partisan um, kind of games that go on in politics. And I should say committee, and I'm also on the Foreign Affairs, Trade and Defence Committee. Committee work is interesting because it's not sexy enough to get on the, the nightly news, um, but it 
allows members of parliament from across the aisles, across benches and so on, to work together on policy issues uh, and make recommendations to the government of the day on those policy areas. Um, but because it's not the same uh, shouting and carry on that you see in question time, it probably doesn't merit, uh, it's probably not newsworthy. <laughs> but I think people like to see a bit of conflict and a bit of biffo maybe, I don't know, but it would be pretty boring doing a one minute piece on some uh, members of parliament agreeing with each other on the importance of this policy or that policy. Talking about uh, security laws, uh, I'm a journalist outside of Joy. I'm, I'm a news journalist. Yep. Uh, we Australia passed more national security laws in the wake of the 2000, uh, the 9-11 attacks than the UK and the US combined. Now, I know as a journalist, uh, that thicket of laws uh, obviously has had a great impact on us. It has improved national mm. security, but at the same time, it has lengthened the time taken to do effective national security reporting and made it a legal yep. nightmare and extremely expensive. Yep. Now, obviously, these are necessary laws, but is something being done to streamline that thicket so we the yep. journalism can proceed effectively as part of democracy? No, you're right, Dave, and, I, I, and this is my view, and I, I also think our government, our new government, is looking at this, where the Attorney-General, uh, Mark Dreyfus, is looking at uh, a review of all the, pri the Privacy Act and the Privacy Laws. Big fan um, of Mark Dreyfus, yeah, I don't know, I've got to call him KC now, um, <laughs> but he's, not a, he's a QC, but Mark's great. But um, my view on this is really, this This point is, you, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, the the, the, the responsibility of government is always to get the balance right between individual liberties um, versus the collective or public security. And if it goes, tilts too much in one direction, you remove those individual liberties. Um, I think with respect to journalists, we are looking at um, the laws around public interest, what's in the public interest. Uh, you mentioned the kind of bureaucratic nightmare that you've got to go mm. through as a journalist. These All these laws are being reviewed. There's a, a review of, of the Privacy Act. There's a review of uh, our counterterrorism framework. Um, elements of that, of course, go to uh, the pub, what's, what's in the public interest and journalism and protection of journalists. And I uh, was very critical of the previous government going too far in actually uh, diminishing what is a very important part of our democracy, and that is the right of journalists to report on these issues in the public interest. Of course, there are some times where, as you would know, there are areas where you, you can't go because it's about protecting people's lives and so of on. Course. But I think the government tilted way too much towards uh, diminishing the right of journalists to, to report on what is in the public interest. And we're, we're trying to redress that through these reviews. Unfortunately, Peter, we're out of time. Uh, but uh, thank you for that. And we, you know, we've got a, a a whole lot of different segments rostered for you in the future, and we look forward. Some of them are a bit longer, so uh, I do appreciate you giving the time and explaining the the role of those committees. I think a lot of lot of listeners are not sure because it does, you know, it does. It's not that sexy, some of it, and uh, I mean, you know, people like me sometimes like watching it, but you know, I think there's, I think there's three other people in three other people in Australia who watch it as well. So so much on Netflix, Macro, and you're watching committees. Do well, like, I don't know what's going on there. But you know, I did uh, look. I really briefly, I did watch uh, Philip Lowe in the committee hearings that he was in, and uh, you know, I love watching. You know, he he clearly, um, you know, was under pressure. But his most recent appearance was clear to me. He had the shits with you all. <laughs> <laughs> because you like a good interrogation that's what you like well watching. you know 
he, okay, he's you know he's the chair of the board, but the board is nine, yeah. three of which are ex officio. So there's another six, right? And decisions have to be a majority. So, you know, if we're all going to have a crack at him, and believe me, I'm not about defending Philip Lowe, mm-hmm. but how about, you know, people should actually have a look at who else is on the board and mm. the decisions that are made, uh, rather than just targeting him. I think it's a, a bit unfair, but his body, his body language is interesting. He doesn't like you a lot. Yeah. I'm not on that committee, but I'll pass it on to my colleagues. <laughs> anyway, that's uh, thanks very much. Sammy. That's my thirteen cents worth. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, you, Peter. Thanks, Appreciate guys. it. Yeah. You are on Saturday Magazine Joy ninety four point nine with Macca and Dave. We're gonna uh, we're gonna have a couple of couple of quick messages, uh, and we're actually not having an eleven o'clock news, but we're gonna do something else, and then in a little while we're gonna be speaking with uh, Sean Mitchell from the Melbourne Women in Film Festival, which I think is in its seventh year. Um, I think that's... Is that coming up next? No, it is. That's what we're going to do. It is, Macron. Who else is on in the second hour? Okay. So, uh, Zoe Daniel, the federal member for Goldstein, uh, will join us. And going to have a bit of an extended chat there, uh, talk about The Voice, refugees, housing, you know, the pretty torturous week that politicians uh, have to endure, and their staff. That's also in the news, although we'll probably steer away from that because it's subject to some legal action. Uh, then Professor Greg Craven, um, he's ex-Australian uh, Catholic University. I don't think he's there anymore, but specifically uh, he's, he's part of a campaign for a centre-right approach to hearing Indigenous voices. And he does a lot of work with the Centre for Independent Studies, which is a right-wing think tank, but not a right-wing nutjob think tank. So there is a difference. Um, and some other stuff. So here's some messages. And then when we come, when we come back, uh, we've actually got a minute or so for Paul and Dave and I to muse about something. Saturday Magazine, every Saturday from 10 until noon. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy.